0: It's something for nothing. The Rush Fan Cast, Steve and Jerry with you. What's up, Jer? Uh, you know, uh, same old, same old. You? Uh, same old, same old. we got to be quick today, Jer, because we, we're deep into snakes and arrows, and we got a lot to talk about. We do, we do. So I'll tell everybody that you can find us on Twitter, at Rush Fan Cast. Instagram, we are the Rush Cast. Email Jerry, TheRushCast at gmail.com. Lex did the bass intro and outro today. He's fantastic.
1: And, Jared, you've got an email before we get started, I understand. Of course I do, Steve. Let me have it. This is from Matt, and he just started listening uh, a while ago, so this is about uh, Countdown. Countdown? His email is is about Countdown. He's a little behind, but he'll catch up. He's a little behind, yeah. And he says that. I'm a little late to this discussion, but I have to say Countdown is one of those rush tracks that stands so close to my heart. I love the song for its music and its build, both musically and lyrically. I thought the track was perhaps as close a representation of what they witnessed when they saw the launch themselves. The whole track for me is magical. I mean, there are a few groups that I can listen to their music with closed eyes and feel the emotion, the scene playing out, or even the clearest vision of what the creator was Wants to portray. Rush is one of those bands that can take me away from whatever I'm mired in at the moment. I'm one of the fans that loved what the keyboards and synth brought to the music. The keyboards and the solo on this track made me want to try to pick it out on my daughter's keyboard with my amp plugged in and booming loud. I think Getty really built the excitement and emotion of any given track with his keyboards and synths. For me, some of the music from that era still seems fresh, exciting, different and euphoric. I'm not sure how else to describe it other than that. Neil and Alex did a masterful job in their part on the production. I'd say they played the music's emotion and builds and helped the track be what it seems to be, a story of an incredible event set to soul-stirring music. I can't imagine anyone else doing their parts. I'm in awe of each member and their contributions to their music and the music scene in general. I'm a drummer, but so desperately would love to play guitar, keys, synths, and bass too, or at the very least entertain myself and learn the absolute genius of these parts. With the reel of the NASA audio playing through the various parts of the track, it adds an extra sense of legitimacy and wonder for me. It further sets the stage in the song. Perhaps if you were close enough to some of the action, you'd have heard that crackling over the loudspeaker or walkie-talkie. I thought it was a great track to end the album with and left me wanting more.
0: Wow. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Appreciate that email.
1: Someone else who disagrees with me on Countdown.
0: Yeah, well, you know what the <laughs> thing is? It's so polarizing. That song is so polarizing. People either love it or they hate it.
1: That is true.
0: There really is no in-between. You're kind of in-between now, actually.
1: I'm in-between now, but because of that version that didn't have the, the NASA overdubs. Right, but Matt likes the NASA overdubs. Yeah, so he likes the The overdubs. What am I going to do now?
0: I guess it just hits certain people in a certain way. Tugs on the heartstrings yeah. of some people and other people is like, eh. Like me, heartless. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Jerry, we got to get right into it because know, this this album is fantastic. You know, we had Jillian Marianovich on, what was it, a, six months ago probably, and she told us she hates Snakes and Arrows. Yes. We love Jillian,
1: but we, we disagree with her on this. We do. I'm not sure if we disagree with her or At the time? Well, I did. You didn't. Because I hadn't listened to this album in so long.
0: Right. You were agreeing with her. I was agreeing with her. You were agreeing
1: with her. Well, for the most part. That version of Jerry's an idiot. (laughs) He doesn't know what he's talking about.
0: (laughs) Well, let's jump into it. We left off. We were about to talk about track three on Snakes and Arrows, Jer. Yes. And it's Working Them Angels.
1: History recedes
0: in my Marie humming at the heart of- So this is taken from the book Traveling Music. I found this on on a website called Rush Vault, and um, he was talking about a conversation he overheard at a Cracker Barrel restaurant in Tennessee (laughs) when he and his friend Brutus were riding their motorcycles across the United States on the Test for Echo Tour.
1: I have never been in a Cracker Barrel. You've never been in a Cracker Barrel? No. Don't you ever travel? Is it a restaurant? It's basically...
0: A tourist trap with a restaurant in it.
1: Oh, maybe that's why I've never been to one.
0: Yeah, well, people like to go there because there's all sorts of knickknacks and souvenirs you can buy. There's clean bathrooms, which people like. Of course. And the food's decent. Okay. But people congregate at these places like crazy. They're always packed.
1: No crackers in barrels, though?
0: They sell crackers. And they probably have barrels around outside, yeah, just for, for decoration. <laughs> but there's no uh, barrel full of crackers.
1: I just imagine you walk in and you just pick a cracker out of the barrel.
0: (laughs) Next time you come over here, we're going to go to Cracker Barrel. There's a Cracker Barrel 10 minutes from my house.
1: I know. There are Cracker Barrels around here. I've just never been to one. Just go. What's stopping you besides COVID? (laughs) (laughs) Despite
0: the pandemic? I don't know. Anyway, Neil's quote. A black couple came in behind us. The woman large with a flower dress and hat. The man small and skinny in a suit and tie. He was smiling kind of sheepishly as she harangued him with a pointing finger, presumably about his driving. You work in them angels overtime. You work in them angels overtime. (laughs) From then on, Brutus and I often used that line on each other to describe the way we lived on and off the bikes, and it had continued to be a metaphor for my life. I didn't think I was foolhardy or irresponsible, but a certain level of risk in life seemed worthwhile for the promised return, excitement, and treasured experiences. And though I didn't really believe in them angels, if I had them, I guessed I kept them pretty busy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. It's great, right? Yeah. You never know where you're going to find inspiration.
0: Cracker Barrel? Yeah. Well, that's why you should go to Cracker Barrel. Maybe you'll be inspired to write a song, Jar. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you never know. So I guess that pretty much sums up what, what these lyrics are about, Jar. right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty simple song. I don't think it's uh, super duper. Uh, deep it's not like you know armor and sword like we were talking about last podcast right right this is a a song about like you said his life riding around maybe living close to the edge sometimes and doing semi-dangerous things and he's you know in that area anyway he's been spared so you know the angels that watch over him sometimes have to do overtime because he's doing a lot but uh, yeah that's basically the song right
0: yeah. And if you've read any of Neil's books, I mean, just the first one cycling through Africa, I mean, yeah. how brave do you have to be to go to a, a foreign land like that and just ride your bike throughout the whole continent? I mean.
1: Yeah. Brave or naive.
0: Or, or a little bit of both. Yeah. But I mean, just just amazing. And on his motorcycle, you know, driving on windy roads on cliffs, crazy stuff like that. I mean, yeah. to get that view of the cliff, you've got to risk possibly hitting a rock and flying off that cliff. Right. Right. He's working them angels. He's working them angels. Shall we uh, go through the lyrics a little bit? Sure. Driving away to the East and into the past history recedes in my rear view mirror. I love the image of that. Yeah. Carried away on a wave of music down a desert road. So Neil, of course, listening to music as he's riding his motorcycle. Yeah. Memory humming at the heart of a factory town. Right. So he was going through small towns as he rode his bike.
1: Yeah. I think, um, I'm wondering, driving away to the east and into the past, I wonder if that has anything to do with like visiting places that were important to him in the past. Like Maybe he was going to Cleveland, right? Right. Maybe he was going to Toronto. Maybe he was going, I don't know, somewhere where the memories are really strong.
0: Somewhere he'd been before.
1: Somewhere he'd been before, but he had a, a strong tie to. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. he's traveling into the past.
0: Yeah, that was my interpretation of it too. Oh, good. So you're you're right on there. We're we're going to agree on this one too, Jerry. I think. I think so. Yeah. All my life, I've been working them angels overtime, riding and driving and living so close to the edge, working them angels
1: overtime.
0: Yep. So you know, Neil pretty much explained it,
1: and you know, I as I listened to the song, I was reminded that that's where. Overtime angels got their name, oh yeah, the, the the group for sure, fundraising group.
0: And listening to the the music of this song, again, we talked about it on the last episode, how Alex had that conversation with David Gilmore, who urged him to write songs on an acoustic guitar, and this
1: is one that, yeah,
0: you know, you can hear the acoustic guitar coming through everywhere on
1: this. Yeah, really, really.
0: And it's amazing. And before we get into the rest of the lyrics, I just have to say the Mandolin solo Jar. Yeah. How fantastic is that?
1: I know. Talk about coming out of left field.
0: Yeah. And where did that come from? I'm like. To see them do this live, which they did a lot. Yeah. And watch Alex pull out that mandolin. <laughs> you're just like, what's about to happen here? This is going to be great. Right. You know, I mean, you remember
1: it from the album, but then to see them do it live. Mandolins are seeing, seeing full grown adults play mandolins. <laughs> You know, cause they, they just swallow it up. I mean, I, I have a mandolin. Um, I was just like, I'm going to, cause I love the mandolin. I was like, I'm going to learn how to play the mandolin. First of all, very hard to play the mandolin because it's so small. Right. So kudos to Alex. Oh yeah. To just play it a solo on a mandolin. Oh man.
0: Anyway, I just wanted to go on that tangent there. So, yeah. uh, so back to the lyrics, riding through the range
1: of light to the wounded city. I wonder what city that is. I have an idea. Okay. What is it? Well, first of all, riding through the range of light. Um, that's a quote from John Muir.
0: Oh, okay. Oh yeah. I know who that is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He started this. I don't know if he started the Sierra club. Yeah. He, um, he described the Sierra Nevada mountains as the range of light. Oh, the light was just so beautiful there. And what's the wounded city? Is that near there? No, the wounded city the only thing I come up with Wounded City is a, a nickname for Chicago. There was a book published called Wounded City Violent Turf Wars in the Chicago Barrio by Robert Vargas. Hmm. It's about it's about drug trade and, and violent gang wars in Chicago, and I'm not sure how long Chicago has been referred to as the Wounded City. Hmm. That's what I got.
0: Okay. Filling my spirit with the wildest wish to fly, taking the high road to the wounded city, memory strumming at the heart of a moving picture. Hmm. And I love how that harkens back to the album moving pictures. Right. Which is great.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this is just a kind of reliving some of his earlier travels and, mm-hmm. and earlier haunts.
0: And the last verse, driving down the razor's edge between the past and the future. And that could be just him on a, one of those windy roads on a cliff edge, right?
1: Right. Oh, Do you think the razor's edge, though, has something to do with the uh, lyrics in the past? Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. I know. I pulled that out of my butt when I was, when I was listening to it. I'm like, razor's edge. Why does, why does that sound razor's edge? And then I heard it in my head. Wow. I don't know,
0: though. I could be right, though. It could be a cliff. It could have been a cliff in the past and it could be a cliff here. Yeah. That's great that you, you caught on that. I didn't even catch that. Thank you, Steve. Turn up the music and smile. Get carried away on the songs and stories of vanished times. So he's listening to older music, 60s stuff probably, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Memory drumming at the heart of an English winter. Memories beating at the heart of an African village. So these are some of the places he's
1: visited. Yeah, I, for some reason, when did he, uh, when did Neil first go to England right before he joined Rush? You know what time frame that was? He was 17. But I mean, like, what, was it in the winter? Oh, geez, I don't know. Could have been. Because I'm thinking the memory drumming at the heart of an English winter and then memory beating at the heart of an African village, which must have something to do with the masked rider.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: he's just referencing things that... Happened to him.
0: And we mentioned that the theme of this album is faith and religion. While this song isn't necessarily about that, I mean, the title Working Them Angels clearly is a, uh, you know, religious reference. So it kind of ties in as well.
1: Yeah. Sounded like a guardian angel. Right.
0: Which Neil didn't believe in.
1: Yeah, right. Glad that he got through some of those times. Somebody right. must be watching out for him.
0: But uh, again, this song was always fantastic live. They played it a lot. Yeah. The band loved this song, clearly. We love it, too.
1: I know. The acoustic guitar. Yeah. Man. I mean, this sounds so good. It just sounds so clear on the whole album.
0: Speaking of that, the next track is also laden with acoustic guitar. How about that word? Laden, laden, Laden. And we're going to put the ladle in the larger bowl. All right. Some things can never be changed Some reasons will never come clear It's somehow so badly arranged It was so much the same like I always hear Some are blessed now and- So, Darren, back to Power Windows for the uh, liner notes from the Snakes and Arrows album. Okay. So, Neil was talking about Working Them Angels and ties it in with the larger bowl. Okay. Getty adapted Working Them Angels from the verses that opened my book Traveling Music, which closed that circle nicely. In a similar loop, the title for the larger bowl came from a bicycle trip in West Africa, as described in The Masked Rider, when a song with that title wafted through a feverish, hallucinatory, dysentery dream. Waking in a sweaty tangle of twisted sheets, I only remembered the title, but I knew I had to write that song. Make a dream come true, as it were. Back in the early 90s, I gave that title to some words partly inspired by the dream's location, Africa, about life's unequal fortunes and fates. The front of my rhyming dictionary had an index of traditional verse patterns And I tried writing in some of them as an exercise, like solving a crossword puzzle. Among sonnets, villanelles, and sistinas, I particularly liked a melee form called the pantoum and wrote several lyrics in that scheme, including the larger bowl. However, I never even submitted them to my bandmates until this album, 15 years later. Wow. It must have been the right time, because to my delight, Alex and Getty responded to the challenge of the larger bowl, and its unusual construction. Musically, the song seemed to benefit from stylistic influences we discovered or recovered during our feedback project when we recorded a number of cover tunes from our earlier influences. That spirit of youthful enthusiasm and the spirit of the 60s is alive in several of these songs, from the blues sections of The Way the Wind Blows to the feedback solo in Far Cry and the simple rhythm section backing for the melodic guitar solo in The Larger Ball. Mm. So Neil pretty much summed it up. Do we have anything else to say?
1: Nope. <laughs> um, I just wanted to, uh, I was unaware of the term or the word pantoum, so I had to look it up about what the structure of a, a pantoum poem is.
0: Now I think I just by reading the lyrics, I think I know what it is,
1: but you, you tell me. I got this from poets.org. Okay. So it's pretty authoritative if you ask me. Poets.org. Oh, sure. Yeah. It says, The pantoum is a poem of of any length composed of four-line stanzas in which the second and fourth lines of each stanza serve as the first and third lines of the next stanza. The last line of a pantoum is often the same as the first. Oh. Okay. And it works all the way through except when they do the,
0: Oh, um, see, I mean, why did I not even pick that up? I, th- you know what I thought it was, but I thought the first and third line rhymed and the second and fourth line rhymed. And I didn't even realize that he was taking the second and fourth line from the first verse and putting it in the second one. Yep. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. It's just, it just crystallized for me right there.
1: Right. Oh, that's beautiful. It goes all the way through. The last line is if we're so much the same, like I always hear is how the song starts. And then, you know, there's the, the, um, chorus at the end that doesn't, doesn't really seem to count though, but yeah, it follows that structure all the way through. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I, it is, I love it even more now. I know. It reminds me of, um, anagram for Mongo, you know, it's like an exercise. Sometimes limiting your structure can be liberating because these constraints you can't vary from. So you have to really kind of work work on things to make them fit. So I love that.
0: Now, before we, we delved into this, were you aware of this? I was not. I was not. So you, you love Anagram for Mongo because of the way it was structured, right? Yes. Yeah. Does that make you love this song even more because of the way it's structured?
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're listening to it, you can tell he's repeating, Getty's repeating certain lines. But you don't really catch the pattern exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know if he hadn't named, it, if the name of the song wasn't The Larger ball a pantoum, no, uh, nobody would pick up on it, right?
0: Well, that's the thing. It's always said a pantoum, and I never bothered to look it up. Yeah. He was giving it to us saying, this is what <laughs> right. this is, Steve. <laughs> look it up and see how brilliant I am. And I never did it.
1: <laughs> right, exactly.
0: <laughs> but this song is so catchy. I love, I've always loved this song. Right, it sticks in your head,
1: I know, just Alex's guitar at the beginning, the again, the acoustic guitar, right, come on, man.
0: it's fantastic,
1: and I think Getty, the way he sings on this song might be the the best vocals he has done she's I don't even know since available light, M- yeah, maybe, maybe
0: I, I you know, I always talk about available light, and this is this is right up there,
1: yeah, definitely,
0: well, again, you can see how Getty relates to these lyrics and mm-hmm. really puts passion behind them.
1: Yeah. And it comes through. Yeah. Should we go through them? Sure. And I guess this song has something to do. Uh, it's all along the same lines as uh, roll the bones, right? The kind of setup, right. You know, why are some people, why are, uh, you know, and babies born to, to suffer or whatever from roll the bones.
0: Right. Right. It's kind of like the divide between the rich and the poor. Right.
1: What's up with that, Steve?
0: If we're so much the same like I always hear, why such different fortunes and fates? Yeah. Some of us live in a cloud of fear. Some live behind iron gates.
1: Yeah, some live in safety, some live in fear. Right. Why?
0: Why is that? Why such different fortunes and fates? Some are blessed and some are cursed. Some live behind iron gates, while others see only the worst.
1: Yeah. And
0: why I did not pick up some live behind iron gates being repeated there. I, I have no idea why I never picked that up.
1: Or fortunes and faiths. Right. I mean, you kind of pick it up that it is repeated, but as a pattern, you don't really pick it up.
0: Yeah. It's brilliant.
1: This is a real deep question.
0: Yeah. That we don't
1: get the answer to. No. Will we ever have the answer to? Why are so many people born into poverty and then other people are, are born rich? Why? Is there, there's no answer to it. There's no reason for it. Right. It, I mean, it, I don't know. It just happens. hmm <laughs> But it's a, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a very catchy song that grapples with an ungrappable idea. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. Let, let's finish it up. Some are blessed and some are cursed. The golden one are scarred from birth. Love that line. Yeah. While others only see the worst such a lot of pain on the earth. And that last line is the one that I think Getty really, really hits perfectly. Such a yeah. lot of pain on the earth.
1: I think that this is the best chorus that they've written again, 20, 20 years, 25 years. It, it's a, like, it's, I don't want to say it's like a real chorus. It is what a, uh, a chorus is supposed to do in a song. Yeah. Right. It's catchy. It's like, Upbeat, the way he sings it is great. It's just a, it's just such a great, great chorus.
0: And also, it's a very unRush like song.
1: Very unRush like.
0: Which again makes it great for me.
1: Yeah, it's basically like I guess an acoustic song, right? Would you say that?
0: Yeah, it's just not Rush like in any way, shape, or form. Which which no. makes me love it even more. The, yeah. the golden one are scarred from birth. Some things can never be changed. Such a lot of pain on this earth. It's somehow so badly arranged, <laughs> and, and the rhymes too. He has to rhyme every other line too.
1: He's got to rhyme them. Yeah, that makes me think of something that biologists say: if there was some guiding hand in creating the things on the earth, you know, why are these organisms so so badly put together <laughs> sometimes? You know what I mean, like. We have, we have every, every species has like leftover things from the previous species that serve no, no purpose. And it's just like the human wrist. It's got a lot of nerves going up right in this one spot where we, where we bend our wrist a lot. So we get Mm -hmm. a little nerve damage. It's just, it's just shoddy workmanship.
0: Yeah. Some things can never be changed. Some reasons will never come clear. It's somehow so badly arranged if we're so much the same, like I always hear. Right. Which brings us back to the the first line, like you said. Yeah. Amazing.
1: It's a feedback loop of a song. Yeah. Starts right back where it begins.
0: It's fantastic. And, you know, something else I was reading, The Masked Rider, chapter five of the book, is called The Larger Bowl.
1: I was going to ask you if you knew what The Larger Bowl was.
0: Well, the women in West Africa carried the bulk of the load on their heads in in those baskets. Okay. So the song refers to the person bearing the greatest load in life so those women in africa were carrying the larger bowl they were bearing the largest burden wow yeah
1: that's <laughs> that is an awesome title for a song isn't it it is and he, it came to him in a dream a, a, did he say he had dysentery too yeah
0: Oh yeah, did you read that book? Yeah, that part of the book it was
1: awful. (laughs) Oh my god!
0: Can you imagine getting dysentery in the middle of Africa when you're just riding through on your bike and looking for places to sleep? And right,
1: so that adds an extra layer to the song, right? Yeah. These, I'm assuming that by you know uh, Western standards, people living in this village would be poor, Mm -hmm. right? And not only that, they have you know those struggles. They also have to carry the larger bowl. You know what I mean? They have this huge bowl on their heads, which also makes it even more difficult to even get the food that they need and stuff.
0: Huh? Yeah. Really is amazing. Boy,
1: Neil really is great.
0: And we, we had talked about, we, we kind of uh, veered off from this, but we, we had talked about you, Syme's images. Yeah. From, from the liner notes of snakes and arrows. And we kind of skipped the last two because we were too deep into the, the lyrics, but this one, I thought was interesting because it's taken from another piece of work that Hugh Syme did. Did you read about this? Uh, yeah, I read it in his book. Yeah. You want to tell me about it? Yeah. I would, I would love to tell you about it. It's Alice Cooper's, a fistful of Alice album. (laughs) So the bottom part of Alice Cooper's album is exactly the same as what you're seeing inside the sleeve here. Okay. With the exception of the car. and, And it looks like a car made of tin cans on the steps.
1: Yeah. It's a homemade type of toy that one would make out of discarded cans. Right. So I,
0: I would think the car, you know, the fancy car represents the rich people and the can, and the car made of tin cans re- represents the poor.
1: Yes. Cause they're both cars. Right. One is, one is an actual car. Look, look, I don't know what car it is, but it's got big fins. So, you know, it's like a luxury car. And then there's this thing made out of a, a beer can or something being pulled By a string. Wow. So it shows the disparity between the the rich and the poor.
0: And I guess you figured, you know, why not just take this image from Alice's album and and use it here since I already have it and I wanted to draw something similar or create something similar.
1: What's it called? A Fistful of Alice? A Fistful of
0: Alice. I love that album title too. Yeah, it's a great album title.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, why
0: don't we get into the next track, Jared? We're up to track five on Snakes and Arrows. This is Spin Drift. Okay, Jar. I've got a quote. Again, this is from Power Window's website. The liner notes from Snakes and Arrows. Neil says, Other lyrical themes include a twist on the time-honored relationship songs, framed along the lines of Robert Frost's epitaph, I had a lover's quarrel with the world. In Spindrift and Good News First, for example, the lyrics are deliberately presented in the context of a lover's quarrel. The addressee, though, is not a significant other but a significant proportion of the whole wide world as expressed in the way the wind blows. All those people who don't seem to see things the way that you do. How about that? Yeah. Now that changes the lyrics
1: completely
0: than what I thought they were. Yeah, definitely. So your thoughts on spindrift, Jer.
1: Well, I had to look up what the word spindrift was. So did I, I didn't know what it was. It's the spray blown from the crests of waves by the wind.
0: We've all had spindrift in our face at one, one point or another.:
1: <laughs> We've all been struck by the spindrift.: <laughs> It's a great word, though.: It is a great word. And it starts well, first of all, the song sounds menacing from the get-go. Mhm, Right?: Oh yeah. just a gnarly song.: Which is great. Yeah. And it starts off with just, I guess, a, a, just a description of what spindrift is, right? As the waves crash in on the western shore, the wind blows fierce from the east, wave tops torn into flying spindrift.
0: And the imagery of that is just great. Wave tops torn.
1: Yeah. As the waves crash in on the western shore, it makes me feel uneasy. The spray that's torn away is an image of the way I feel. Wow. <laughs> How is that? <laughs> that just that just comes out of nowhere. That's like a right hook. <laughs> you were not expecting that. I wasn't expecting that anyway. No um but again you know this is another song that doesn't rhyme no but I, but i like that i know well it gives it it gives it kind of a an off center kind of off kilter feeling to it right which matches that menacing mm-hmm. guitar yeah so this thing just punches you in the face the spray that's torn away is an image of the way i feel um and this part i love too the the build up the just the way this song is constructed what am i supposed to say where are the words to answer you when you talk that way?
0: And again, I always thought this was a disagreement between two people and it's not, it's really a disagreement between Neil and,
1: and the world, the worldview, right? Right. Right. Amazing. I guess the spindrift, the water smacking on those rocks and being torn apart is him talking to other people about certain, on certain topics.
0: Or it's the way he feels when he hears other people talking about certain topics. <laughs> yeah. He feels like a spin drift, you know, the, the droplets of himself being torn away.
1: Right. (laughs) Man. Yeah. Um, and then we go into, uh, as the sun goes down on the Western shore, why is it the Western shore? Do you think maybe because he was living in California at this time?
0: Yeah. Well, I think that means the United States because you know, this is the West. This is all the West compared to the Eastern hemisphere is what the way I'm Interpreting it, Western Hemisphere, uh, not West Coast.
1: I was thinking West Coast because of California. You're right. But it could, it could be,
0: but I, I would think it's Western Hemisphere. Okay.
1: As the sun goes down on the Western shore, the wind blows hard from the east. It whips the sand into a flying spin drift. As the sun goes down on the Western shore, it makes me feel uneasy in the hot, dry rasp of the devil winds. Who cares what a fool believes? Wow. Who's the fool? Who is the fool? <laughs> oh, man. The people who disagree with Neil, I guess. Maybe, right? Anyone who disagrees with Neil is a fool, Jer, come on. <laughs> but now we went from the, from the ocean to the sand. Yeah. Right? That makes me just think of, of um, like the Middle East. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It makes me feel uneasy in the hot, dry rasp of the devil winds. Who cares what a fool believes? Now
0: can a spindrift be from a sand dune as well as from a wave of water?
1: I don't know, but I like the imagery of it. Yeah. I like I like take, you know, when people take words from one thing and apply it to another. Yeah. So yeah, spin drift of dust. But I just love the word rasp in there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I just love the way throughout this song the the music just builds to a crescendo. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's know. just great. And Getty's vocals are layered and just fantastic. Right.
1: Especially in the, what am I supposed to say part? Yeah. You can hear in his voice. hmm Like the, what am I supposed to say to that? Right. Kind of thing.
0: Like Getty's really feeling what Neil's saying
1: here. Yeah. He's, he's feeling it this time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we go, what am I supposed to say? Where are the words to answer you when you talk that way? Words that fly against the wind and waves.
0: So I think the next part is where we really get to the gist of it. Right.
1: Well, I think I just wanted to talk about the words that fly against the wind and waves. Okay. That seems to me like the argument back, like if the wind, if this spray or whatever is someone's opinion, a blustery, mm-hmm. loud opinion. And how do you counter that? Right is the words that you counter are going against this huge force, this wind spray and the water. You're never making an impression Mm -hmm. that way. You're never going, what am I supposed to say to these things? I'm I'm never going to convince this other person.
0: You're never going to convince Neil of the way you're, you're thinking.
1: The other person isn't going to be convinced either. Right. These things you can't, you can never convince, you can never have a a really solid, good conversation on these topics because Mm -hmm. no one wants to be convinced. Right. People want to, want to stay where they are.
0: Right. Which brings us to the next part, a little closer to you. Where is the wave that will carry me a little closer to you? Right. What am I supposed to do? Where are the words that will make you see what I believe is true?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's, it's him saying, how can I get closer to your point of view? How can you get closer to my point of view? How can we learn to understand a little more about each other's point of view so we can come to some kind of consensus?
0: Neil's waiting for the wave that will carry him a little closer to you.
1: Right. But he's also looking for the words that will make the other person see what he believes. Good luck, Neil. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I have to say is good luck, Neil. Really? Really? This is, uh, you know, I've had conversations like this before. I know you have. Oh, sure on many different topics. Uh, and the more you argue with someone, the more entrenched people become in their opinions because they just don't want to lose face or whatever. They don't want to be wrong. Right. They don't want to admit that they're wrong. So Neil is, is trying, he recognizes that, right? Mm-hmm. But he's, and so he says, where is the wave that will carry me a little closer to you? Like he wants to get through. He wants to understand. Sometimes understanding someone's point of view, mm-hmm. even if you don't agree with it at all, can help you kind of dismantle the other person's argument a little bit. Yeah. So that's what Neil's trying to do. That's probably what he was always trying to do. You know, really smart guy. He wanted to understand what was going on in the world. Yeah. What makes people tick.
0: And the thing that jumped out at me musically on this song is there's really no traditional solo in this song. We can't go crazy about an Alex solo in this song. No, but I I didn't miss it. Strangely.
1: This whole song to me, it's bonkers. It's a bonkers <laughs> song, right? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so dark. That riff is so dark. Heavy. And then we get to the that, you know, what am I supposed to say part? And it sounds like it's, you know, building up to this big release, but it kind of just goes right back into that riff, right? Yeah. Oh,
0: We don't come to a resolution. That's why.
1: No resolution in this song. No. These waves are always crashing. Mm-hmm.
0: And again, this is another song that Rush played live quite a bit. Yeah. Clearly, uh, they really loved this song and, and it was received very well live too.
1: Yeah. And the end of the song just kind of breaks apart, right? Yeah. Fades out kind of dissonant ending, no resolution.
0: I don't know about you, Jeff, but so far, this album is fantastic.
1: It is fantastic. Isn't it? Yeah. I wasn't kidding last podcast when I said, this is getting up there. in the the top 10 album territory.
0: And the more we talk about it, the higher it rises.
1: Yeah. It's like a spin drift. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's, let's, let's move on to track six of snakes and arrows. Jer, the main monkey business. So again from the liner notes, the Snakes and Arrows liner notes. Yes, Neil says, the elaborate instrumental, the main monkey business, was certainly the most painstaking song of all to write, arrange, and record. It took me three days just to learn it. Its title comes from a conversation Getty had with his Polish mother, talking about a cousin of theirs. She said, "I have a feeling he's up to some monkey business." Getty laughed, saying, "What kind of monkey business?" And she said, "You know." with old world wisdom, the main monkey business.
1: (laughs) Everybody knows about that. Everybody knows about the main monkey business, not those side monkey businesses. (laughs) Yeah, so that's
0: where the title came from.
1: That's so funny. (laughs) The main monkey business.
0: I can see why they turned that into a title of a song. Somebody says that to you, you got to save that one, right?
1: Yeah, you got to do something with that.
0: So this is an instrumental. Jerry, your thoughts on this instrumental?
1: Well, uh, you know, I've said more than once, much to the annoyance of a few people, that La Villa Strangiato and YYZ are the pinnacle of Rush instrumentals.
0: I agree, but should this song be compared to La Villa Strangiato and YYZ? Uh,
1: well, what I was going to say is that listening to this song in context of this album this week, it's better than I remember it being. Yeah. I I appreciate it a lot more. I mean, I was on uh, a rush round table with the guys from uh, at rush fans Mm -hmm. on Instagram. It was episode 19 in case anyone wants to check it out. We were talking about instrumentals and we ranked them or whatever. And, you know, I, I might've put this, this one was really low for me, but I should have put it higher because it really gets cooking toward the end. Yeah. I don't know what was wrong with me. I think listening to it on its own doesn't have the same impact as listening to it in context of the rest of the album. I don't know why.
0: Well, I think that's the case, not just with Rush's instrumentals, but with all their songs, they're better within the context of the album than they are individually.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true.
0: And when you did that instrumental episode of Rush fans, round table, you probably just listened to the individual songs and didn't listen to them in the context of the album and thought, well, eh, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, does
0: this song to you have an Eastern sort of flavor to it? Or am I imagining that?
1: He, it could be both. You <laughs> could, you could be imagining it and it also could have it, but yes, I do think it has some kind of, uh, Eastern flavor to it. If you want to put it like that.
0: Well, I just try and take these songs individually, as. Uh, as the, were these tunes, I should say, Jared, I don't want to say songs. No, 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 <laughs> say songs. I just want to take them individually. I, I don't want to compare them to YYZ and La Villa Those songs are freaking fantastic. Right. But I think this is a good song and I don't think, I don't think it should be compared to the others.
1: I mean, I like it. I like it more. Like I said, I like it more now than I did. And I'm glad they played it a lot, right? Oh yeah, we saw we saw them do it a lot, mm-hmm. and it was never one of my it wasn't never a highlight for me in concert. Probably because I didn't listen to this album a lot, right? In and I didn't listen to the song in the context of the album, right? Had I done a little more work back then, I probably would have appreciated it a lot more.
0: Understood. Understood. Let's move on to track seven, Jer. Snakes and arrows. This is the way the wind blows. We can only bow to the here and now. you our This quote is from Rush Vault, Jer, the website Rush Vault. Neil says, children brought up in a certain environment can only grow the way the wind blows. In Canada, we see along the Great Lakes and the western coast of Newfoundland, trees that are just completely trained the way the wind blows. I thought of that as a larger metaphor, that all of us grow up in a certain environment where the wind's blowing in a certain direction, and inevitably, we get bent that way. So you want to be different. You want to try and strive against that very militant wave of wind. It's the stone in the river. You might have to roll a little bit. You might get some rough edges. It's trees in the wind. They have to learn to bend a little bit. It's flowers in the desert. They're in such a hostile environment. They can only bloom at night because that's the only time it's safe. These are the kinds of ways I thought that's how you can still be you and not have to be hypocritical, but at the same time still not have to stand up a little pencil Against a whole army of swords, your thoughts, Jerry?
1: Yeah. Can we just close it down? That's <laughs> why I even bother.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah that that sums it up, right? Yeah, that's it. That's the whole <laughs> song. All of my notes, Steve. You were just saying, I got. How we're we gonna fit this into this episode, Steve? We got. You know, I got all these notes. <sighs> that is. That was perfect. That was perfect. But it is true. We're molded by our upbringing as far as
1: religious beliefs go, right? Yep. Not only religious beliefs, but cultural beliefs too. Everything. Yeah. Everything.
0: But I think the backbone of this album is, is faith and religion. Yeah. I think that's what he's talking about here. But like you said, it it could be anything. Yeah. Whatever we believe.
1: Yeah. We can only grow the way the wind blows on a bare and weathered shore. That is such a great image. Yeah. can only grow the way the wind blows. Right. I mean, I'd like the task for us, Steve, as parents, right, is to create a better wind.
0: Right. Or create no wind. Or no wind at all. That's what I try and do. I, I try to. It's hard to, though. It is hard to. It's hard not to blow your wind. It's- <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right? Yeah. I
1: mean, I, yeah, I understand. You've got a pretty strong wind, Jer. It's hard to I keep know. that wind
0: from blowing.
1: Well, see, that's the thing is when you have strong, I have strong atheist beliefs, right? Right. Not that they're beliefs, but you know what I mean. I have have a kind of vocal about it. And so I've raised, I've tried to teach my kids that, and they they are, they identify themselves as atheists too. Are they just bent because of the wind I was blowing? Absolutely are. I think they are. What I try
0: and do, and I don't know if I'm accomplishing this or not, because I think I'm doing the same thing you're doing. My wind is blowing. I'm telling, you know, my son, for instance, what, what I think, what I believe. Right. And I always say to him, but you should believe whatever it is you want to believe. Shouldn't believe what I believe. I'm going to tell you what I think. You know what your mother thinks. You believe what you want to believe. But ultimately I think the wind is blowing him in my direction. You know, whether I'm trying to do it or not. He's feeling that wind, right?
1: Right, and there's a lot of aspects of our life that we don't even realize we adopted. Right. We just think that they're kind of true. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, yeah. You talk about in the U.S., it's you know American exceptionalism. It could be anything in any country that believes anything about itself, and that's just being bent by the wind. You know, there's something funny. I saw, I think my, one of my daughters showed it to me. It was a quote that said, um, tradition is just being bullied by the dead. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, it's really, really true. You know, These traditions that we have are also forces that shape our lives. Mm-hmm. Even though there's absolutely no reason for a tradition to exist other than the fact that people keep it alive.
0: And in, in raising children, it's hard to raise them in an environment without that wind, even if it's not from you.
1: Well, yeah, that's the other thing too, right? Mm-hmm. You can only you can only grow the way the wind blows, and, but you're not the only person in their in your children's lives or in your own life, right? Right, culture around you. You got
0: a lot of wind to shield them from if you're going to try and shield them from it,
1: right? Or even as an adult, you know, what I mean, if, if you grow up in this shape, mm-hmm. let's say if we're going to keep this, just going to keep this um, metaphor rolling. Let's roll with it. You are brought up in this shape, and now you have to straighten yourself out. Somehow.
0: Right, right. Well, and that's what we had to do. We were brought up Catholic, right? And we had to yeah. take that bend in our view system and untwist it.
1: But again, it could be anything, you know what I mean? With um, uh, friends that we knew in high school who were gay, they came out of the closet decades later. Right. They were bent by the right the wind of, you know, pressure, societal pressure to be something they weren't. They had to step out of that and become something else.
0: And again, to keep the metaphor going, I think when your daughters are adults, if their bend isn't like, you know, completely off kilter, you know, if you're just a little bit off, I think you did a great job. You know, they have less to straighten out, you know, you know what I'm saying? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, cause you can't shield them from everything. Their, their views are going to be colored by you and various other winds that come flying through their bedrooms right yeah (laughs) yeah
1: it's 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 a
0: scary kind of metaphor that he's creating here
1: i know this song we don't even here's the the beauty of this song we don't even have to talk about the lyrics no we we just have to talk about that line yeah we can only grow the way the wind blows what we spent eight minutes (laughs) i know Just talking about that one line. Yeah. And this song gets right to the heart of everything on this album. Yep. The heart of so many Rush songs. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's got this individualism. Like he said, the pencil standing up to uh, a sea of swords or whatever he said, right? Right. It's hard to get out from under all of that stuff. Yeah. It's just really, really, really hard. And, you know, sometimes I have this feeling that we in America, you know, we look at other countries and say, how can they do that? Or well, why, why are these people so such religious fanatics, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for that. I don't specifically think that way, but you could just turn it right back on us. Why are, why are Americans the way Americans are?
0: Oh, sure. And that's exactly what they think. Right.
1: Why are we always, uh, you know, swinging that big stick around? Yep. So are we going to talk about the lyrics at all? or
0: I don't think we have to.
1: I'll mean, just a couple of things. Okay, go ahead. There are a couple of really good things in here, right? The second verse is, now it's come to this wide-eyed armies of the faithful from the Middle East to the Middle West, right? So that's Middle East. Right. The Middle West is. Here. About the Rust Belt of America, right? Yep. And then pray and pass the ammunition. Wow. That's definitely, I don't know if you ever heard the phrase, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition.
0: I haven't, no.
1: I've always just known it as a phrase like, you know, you would be like in in wartime, you would, you know, pray to God Mm -hmm. and then, you know, that you wouldn't get shot give me the, I'm praying to God, but pass the ammunition. You know what I mean? Like, sure, God's in control of something, but I need some ammunition. Yeah. Just in case. Just in case. But but there was a song in World War II called Praise the Lord and Pass the Ammunition.
0: And I'm sure that's where Neil took this from.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's where the, the phrase came from. Wow. And it's like a, it's like a patriotic song people could find on YouTube. I thought that was great. Yeah. What's the other thing? Oh boy. There was a couple of things. So at the end, it seems, it seems to leave them partly blind and they leave no child behind when evil spirits haunt their sleep while shepherds bless and count their sheep. Wow. So (laughs) when I, as soon as I read no child left behind, I immediately thought of the no child left behind act. Right. Do you remember that again? Yes. That was a, a a U.S. thing, right? It was a supposedly a reconstruction of our public educational system called No Child Left Behind, which was a kind of a failure. Oh yeah, because it it really focused too much on standardized testing. Mm-hmm. So it didn't. The idea of it was like we shouldn't leave anybody behind. We we sh- we can't graduate children who can't read. The people graduating from high school who can't read. Yeah, right. They're leaving them those children behind. But instead, it focuses on, on getting all of these tests and it didn't solve the problem at all. But then it leaves them blind and they leave no child behind while evil spirits haunt their sleep and while shepherds bless and count their sheep. So they're, they're focusing on these children, but then there's all these other things, right? There's still all these wars. They're leaving everybody behind, Yep. right? Shepherds are counting their sheep and they're going to go off to war someday too. I they mean, you can't care for children in one aspect and then consign them to a terrible fate in another. Yep. That's just me. Maybe that's too political.
0: No, no. No, it's, it's fair. It's fair. And, and, the, um, and the last line really sums everything up. Like a solitary pine on a bare wind-blasted shore, we can only grow the way the wind blows.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and the part about the, he says element in our elemental war a couple of times.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Which, of course, is, in one way is a reference, the elements, the wind. Mm-hmm. But also, it, it seems like war is our element. Yeah, and destruction is our element. That's what we're good at. <sighs> so the elemental war is it just part of being a human being. Yeah. But we have to not be at war with you know others. We have to be at war with that element, and stop and think whether or not you know destruction is the best way. Wow, this is some song, man.
0: It is. So we're we're getting deep into this episode, Jer. Why don't we uh, talk about the music just, just a little bit. Alex's solo at the beginning
1: is fantastic. Bluesy. Would you call it bluesy? What would yeah. You call it? Yeah. It's bluesy just for sure. Evocative screaming, right? Yep. And the verses are
0: really heavy, crunching guitar, heavy yep. cymbals. I mean, the drums are pounding and then you get the chorus with yep. the quiet acoustic guitar. It's beautiful. It is. And it's, the contrast between that and the heaviness of the verses, like you said before, happens all over this album. It's just fantastic.
1: Yeah. It's like, you know, because the first, the the verses are kind of harsh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all this, the world of superstition comes to this, the faithful armies and stuff like that. But then with the guitar comes in, you know, we can only grow the way the wind blows. Nothing we can do about it. Well, yeah, it's just like, listen, we can only grow the way the wind blows. These are, this is the wind, these terrible things that we've set up for ourselves. What are you going to do? You can't blame me for this. If you want to fix it, (laughs) get a better wind. Stop blowing at me. (laughs) Yeah. Stop blowing this wind around. Maybe things won't be so, so bad, but I. that's how it, it comes across. Right.
0: Oh yeah. It is. And it's great. And Getty's vocals. I mean, unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. He sings, he's singing this song. Again, you know his vocals on this album are so good, and they're so different from other albums. He's really, 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 really feeling it.
0: And it's amazing how much better Getty got at his craft as he got older. Yeah, you would think, you know, as he got older, his voice would start to deteriorate,
1: but yeah,
0: you know, it didn't. I mean, maybe it would have if they kept going, but
1: well, yeah, that's the thing, right? He learned. I guess he, you know, he learned he couldn't sing that way anymore, and so instead of trying. Yeah, he adapted.
0: He sang the way he could sing.
1: Yeah, sang like himself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I think we milked that wind metaphor as about as much as we could.
1: Hey man, <laughs> it's it's a good it's a good metaphor.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, Neil was he was brilliant.
1: Yeah, this song is top tier, top shelf, top shelf liquor, man. Absolutely. You
0: can find us on Twitter. We are at Rushfancast Instagram. We are at the Rushcast. Email Jerry, TheRushCast at gmail.com. Let him know what you thought of our conversation today about all the songs we discussed. Bass intro and outro done by Lex. I think I know where you're going with the quote, so go for it.
1: Okay. Since we didn't really discuss the lyrics of The Way the Wind Blows, certainly not this one. I'll read this one. Okay. We can only go the way the wind blows. We can only bow to the here and now or be broken down blow by blow. Wow.
0: That's deep, Jer. It is.
1: Have a good one. You too.